Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. 902 here on SENZ and uh, courtesy of Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Everything you need to know about uh, your agricultural needs, just uh, call into one of those 17 branches in the North Island that Brandt have or go to the field days next week uh, and uh, get stuck in there. They uh, have uh, a wonderful site and uh, they'll welcome your uh, questions and uh, visiting uh, their particular site there uh, at Mystery Creek. And I think from memory it starts next Wednesday. That's uh, fantastic. So Brant will be there. Uh, right, uh, what are we going to do this morning? We're going to talk uh, some cricket, a review of day one of the World Test Championship between uh, India and Australia. It's Australia's day, there's no doubt about that. But in, did India do them any favours? We'll be talking very shortly to Stefan Schimmelt. Uh, Stefan is the uh, head writer for the BBC in terms of cricket. He's also watching his beloved West Ham uh, play a game of football at the moment as well. So that'll be interesting. Hear from Steve Smith. Um, and uh, that'll be an interesting interview to uh, take in. Uh, he's uh, at this stage 95 not out. Another classic Steve Smith performance. Uh, texts uh, will be welcome on 8833 on uh, any subject you like, to be perfectly honest. After 9.30, we'll uh, open up the talkback lines and uh, uh, those golf fans out there, what do you make of all this? Um, it's uh, an interesting state of affairs, isn't it? We can also look forward to uh, the sport coming up over the weekend. Quarterfinals for a rugby course tomorrow night, beginning with the Blues and the Waratahs. If you're a rugby fan, give us uh, your predictions and uh, how you're feeling about that. Uh, also, Warriors fans too. Uh, big class this weekend against uh, Canberra. I have a multi for you just before 10 o'clock. Uh, after 10, we'll talk to Michael Glading. Now, we often talk to Michael Glading. Uh, he's heavily involved in uh, New Zealand sport, but uh, of late, really, uh, and he's got a great history in, in golf and uh, the rights and wrongs and uh, the protocols of golf. So uh, Michael's uh, impressions on what's going on overseas with the PGA, etc., will be very interesting just after 10 o'clock. Pacing for Purpose horse uh, for you just uh, before 10.30. And then after that, we'll be talking to... Uh, Karen Berger. Now, Karen, of course, is a Silver Ferns defender, just named in the uh, World Cup squad to go home for her, basically. She's a Cape Town girl, and that's where the tournament is. So, special for Karen Berger. And after 11 o'clock, we shall be talking to Mel Robinson, uh, General Manager of Sports and Events at Television New Zealand. Uh, great news for people that like to watch sport for nothing. TVNZ are coming up with a decent old menu of it um, in the next uh, few months, um, beginning in July. Lots of cricket and uh, lots of other varied sports as well. Exactly what are they going to show and uh, how's it going to all come to pass? Mel Robinson will be with us just after 11 o'clock. We'll have a stump smithy around about uh, 11.30. We'll also have uh, a visit to the sports desk, of course, courtesy of Polaris. Busy morning. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, only two questions uh, were needed for PGA Commissioner Jay Monaghan at his meeting with the players in Canada yesterday. How much are you getting as a commissioner now, Mr Monaghan, and how much will you be getting as CEO of the new organisation you have formulated behind our backs? If he were to give honest answers to both, and you have to now doubt that he's capable of doing that, uh, I would imagine you'd find the answers you need to understand why one of the most controversial moves in sport for quite some time is unfolding in front of our very eyes. Uh, just the day before yesterday, when all this exploded, the PGA Tour was in court, it seemed, trying to require Yasser al Ramayan, the governor of the Public Investment Fund, to give testimony on an antitrust case. Yes, antitrust. And now al Ramayan is on the PGA Tour Board of Directors. He will also be chairman of the new business venture involving the three joining tours. 
Monaghan refused to meet with the Saudi golf group for two years, and now he has literally jumped into bed with him. Or is that figuratively? Actually, I wouldn't know these days, would you? This was uh, also secret squirrel. Al Ramayan didn't even tell his former frontman, Greg Norman, that this remarkable alliance was afoot. So in effect, the shark, who wanted to be the king, was all the time really just a pawn on the sleazy, slippery chessboard. One wonders what uh, some of the really big players are thinking, the Woodses and the Nicholases and co. Uh, one of they uh, are going to come forward because it, to this point they've stayed mum. Rory's come out overnight and said, look, he still hates live golf. He says they should be punished for making the jump initially. They can't just be let in just like that. They will be, Rory. They will be because money talks. Just the other day, the Golden Bear, Nicholas, still the greatest, was shaking the hands of the players as they finished up the Memorial Tournament at Jack's Place. Just one example of the traditions of the game, the soul of which has been sold literally for the cost of an oily rag. For the Saudis, it's not about the money. Actually, you wonder if it's even about the golf. Well, the World Test Championship uh, got underway last night, uh, our time, at the Oval, of course, in London. And uh, on the spot uh, there was uh, the BBC chief cricket writer, Stefan Schimmelt, who uh, is also uh, doubling up uh, after the game because he's at the moment watching West Ham uh, in a tense battle with Fiorentina. I think it's uh, fair to say that Stefan has popped out of the pub to talk to us, which is great. Uh, Stefan, uh, let's uh, focus on the cricket first of all. 327 for three after being sent into bat uh, and no Ravi Ashwin. Uh, how many mistakes did India make yesterday? Quite a lot, actually. Ian, it was ominous from an, uh, an Englishman's point of view to see Australia bat so well when the Ashes, the five tests, uh, Ashes series is due after this World Test Championship final. I had no problem with India deciding to bowl first um, at the Oval. The pitch was green, the sky was grey. Pat Cummins said he would have done exactly the same thing if Australia had won the toss. But their biggest mistake was admitting Ravi Ashwin. They did exactly the same thing last summer. They were in a very similar situation, India, playing a, a one-off test against England in that sort of fifth test that was held over um, from the summer before. They omitted Ashwin then. They paid the price. And the same has happened today. It was difficult to bat this morning. India bowled really well with the new ball, Mohamed Shami and Mohamed Siraj. They reduced Australia to 76 for three. But after that, the backup bowling wasn't good enough. It didn't carry enough threat from Shardul Takur and Uma Shadav and Travis Head and Steve Smith, two high-class players, cashed in. Now, if you're being fair to India, you have to say they missed Jasper Bumrah. He's been out for a long time with a back injury any team would miss a bowler of his quality, but they left the number one ranked bowler in the world sitting on the bench. And you can't do that, can you? In a a game as high stakes as a World Test Championship final, Australia's top order packed with left-handers. It's okay saying, oh, we think the pitch is going to move around. It's got grass on it. But as the late, great Shane Warne always said, if it's going to seem... 
it's gonna spin. It was a huge mistake to leave Ashwin out, and it could have already cost India a shot at being crowned the world test champions. Well, they're going to have to have a, a hell of a big second morning, otherwise they're going to be chasing down uh, well over 550, maybe even 600 runs. Australia will show them no mercy, I think it seems at that. Um, yes, and I also add to the Ashwin theory because uh, the bloke that's 146 not out is Travis Head, and it, uh, it's a pretty well-known fact. Uh, he's not that flash against offspin bowling, so uh, it's a, it adds to the puzzle, really. But uh, let's talk about this Australian partnership. 251 unbroken for the fourth wicket. Um, that is an outstanding effort on any surface. That's right. And it's interesting to see Travis Head um, make such a big score so early in our summer. Uh, the way I like to think of it is, if England have been playing baseball, but before that, there was Trav Ball. Um, in the last Ashes series down under, Travis Head was the player of the series. He scored the most runs on either side, and he did so with a strike rate in the high 80s before England were getting after test bowling attacks. Travis Head was doing just that. This was his sixth test 100. It's the first one he's made overseas. And from an Englishman's point of view, we have so much attention on Steve Smith and Marnus Labashane because we've been hurt by them in the past. David Warner, he gets lots of headlines and his battle with Stuart Broad might be one that defines the summer. But Travis Head has really been the form Australian batter over the past couple, of year, past couple of years. He's flown under the radar a little bit and it just adds to that problems, that list of problems that England might have in the Ashes if straight away... Head is in form. He came to the crease at 76 or three when the ball was doing all sorts. I think he hit his fifth and sixth deliveries for back-to-back -back boundaries. And he was away, 100 off 106 balls, the third fastest test century ever at the Oval, which is a pretty mind-boggling statistic in its own right. And he fully deserved it. I think if India um, were honest with themselves, they could say that maybe they didn't bowl short enough to him earlier on. He had a really tough time in the 90s when Shami and Siraj tested him out with a, a with a bumper barrage. But all in all, he was excellent, Travis Head. He cut the ball. He drove it through the covers. He barely scored a run straight down the ground. I think there's only two runs in the V between mid-on and mid-off, which tells its own story. And then at the other mm. end, Steve Smith was just Steve Smith. He, he didn't quite have the fluency of head. I think he had 20 off 60 balls. Um, he was overtaken and outscored by Travis Head, but he was infuriating from a bowler's point of view. Never looks in, but you also never think you can get him out. He looks set up for another gluttonous asses summer. Um, did it spin at all? Uh, you know, the, the Shane Warne theory, did, did Ashwin get anything out of it? And, and when I say that, I, I'm looking forward in the match to the effect that Nathan Lyon might have. It, Ravi Jadeja, he did have an effect. He There was a, a, a period in the afternoon when he came into the attack and there was a really good battle between Travis Head and Ravi Jadeja, the left-hander on strike, the J Jadeja bowling round the wicket and he did cause had some problems it was really intriguing to watch Jadeja with the ball on a string and head trying to get after him but you wouldn't have said that was through necessarily excessive turn it was just through the guile of Jadeja his flight his control of length and head's eagerness to get after him 
what we've seen in the past couple of weeks um, in the UK is I can't remember the last time it rained, Ian, and we're set up for a really hot weekend. They're saying there's going to be um, 30 degree heat, which if you can believe it or not, that's caused a weather warning in this part of the world. We don't deal well when the, the mercury starts touching 30 degrees. But what that suggests is that the pitch is going to dry out and there is going to be something there for Nathan Lyon. India this theory of they wanted to bowl first, they wanted to get into the Australia attack. It was fine from my point of view, but it hasn't really worked. And what we could have now is Australia piling up a big score. Um, Australia's mm. quicks come in Stark, Stark and Boland, um, having some fun with the new ball. And then Nathan Lyon coming to the fore in the fourth innings of the match. Right, uh, we better let you go, uh, Sifan, because I think the second half has just kicked off. Uh, give us uh, uh, thanks very much for giving us a a review of uh, day one in the World Test Championship final, and uh, we so look forward to the remainder of that, and of course the Ashes, which uh, is um, what about this time next week? Amazing, fantastic summer you guys are going to have over there. Thanks for your time, mate. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I'll catch you soon. Right, uh, Stefan there, of course, uh, Stefan Schimmelt, and uh, he is uh, the chief writer for the BBC. So uh, he's saying initially that uh, he thought the decision to bowl first uh, in the conditions, a little bit of a green uh, tinge around the pitch and uh, overhead conditions uh, fully justified. Pat Cummings saying he would have done the same thing. At the end of the day, Australia very happy then that they lost the toss because that was a, a wonderful first day of Test cricket for them. Right, uh, so uh, Steve Smith, 95, not out, and Travis Head uh, approaching 150 as well. Partnership 251, unbroken for the fourth wicket. Steve Smith's impressions of the day, he was with the Bharat Sandaresan. Uh, Steve Smith, thanks for speaking to the CN Test cricket. Uh, a pretty good day for you guys, are It was, yeah. Um, yeah. I thought... Davey started really nicely, he, he showed some good intent, um, was hitting the ball really well and obviously a bit unlucky that one, gloving the one down the leg side um, and then Marnus was looking really nice as well and then he yeah, he got a, a decent ball from Shammy and yeah, Trav and I just put on a really nice partnership, he, he came out and just from ball one put pressure back on them probably got them off their lengths a little bit um, thought they probably bowled a little bit short in that uh, middle session um, but I think a lot of that comes from the pressure that Trav was putting back on and I was just able to play second fiddle at the other end, bide my time and, and just, just bad and um, that was an enjoyable day, a good day for us, so, um, good day for us and hopefully we can start well in the morning and really set ourselves up for this test match. Just on Trav, uh, you know, so many question marks about his uh, game away from home in the last few years, scores those runs in India and comes here and does this, so uh, just your take on his innings uh, so far. I think is just ability to go out there and just play the ball and see it and hit it and a bit of a counter punch sometimes. Um, you know, it was a when he came in, it was a pretty important period in the game, and for him to be able to come out and put the pressure back on them was was outstanding. And um, you know, a lot of credit goes to him. He's really confident at the moment. He's seen the ball well, and uh, hopefully, it's the start of a big summer for him. Uh, and just about the conditions, Steve, uh, the ball was doing quite a bit early on. Or if it wasn't doing a lot, it, it seemed to be beating the bat a bit. Uh, and pitch seemed to be a little up and down to start with. Did that continue during the day and what did you make of it? Yeah, I think there were a few balls that kept a bit low throughout the day, definitely. Um, a few balls early with the newer one as well that just bounced a bit more too. So, yeah, I guess that's positive signs with the 7-3-27 on the board and only three down. But, um, yeah, the morning session for us is important. If we bat well, we can really help ourselves for the, for the test match. Uh, just with your batting, Steve, uh, I mean, you spoke uh, before the summer about 
staying more side on for the South African fast bowlers. It looks like you're back in a cross moment is back. Uh, was that just consciously done for England or, uh, or these conditions? Yeah, no, I quite like it in these conditions. Um, just the positions I'm able to get into and the access it gives me. Um, but there might be times where I chop and change. We'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, and just about facing Shami and Siraj at the Oval, that did take you a while to get uh, your head around it, like a neutral test, World Test Championship final, but away from home? No, not really. Um, just went out and played, and um, yeah, they were bowling nicely there, so um, yeah, they're quality bowlers, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good day for us. The game set up well. Thanks so much for speaking to us, Steve. No worries, thanks. Yeah, Steve Smith uh, feeling pretty happy. Wouldn't Why well, wouldn't you be? 95 not out at the end of uh, day one. Travis had 146 not out. Travis had scored at a strike rate of 93, just by the by. David Warner with some good early form, 43, including eight boundaries. Uh, problem for uh, Kawaja, you can always nick the new ball uh, in the first day of a test match. Uh, but we just uh, wonder how much that plays on his mind because when he plays test cricket in England, he's only averaging 18. Uh, which is uh, of real interest. Cameron Green to come in next, a genuine uh, all-rounder. Then they've got Alex Carey, so still plenty of batting. Uh, they would be very disappointed if they did not get over 500 from this point onwards. If India um, don't get three or four wickets in the morning session, uh, they can't win the game. It's as simple as that. They're really trying to chase it and save it uh, to that extent. Uh, and the big talking point, why would you leave out Ravi Ashwin? Why would you leave out uh, the best bowler, best-ranked bowler in the world on the world's biggest stage? I mean, even if it wasn't going to turn uh, greatly, Ravi Ashwin with his flight, I mean, there's a reason why he is the best b bowler in the world, because he's the best bowler in the world. It's as simple as that, in all conditions. He is a fantastic bowler. How could you not play him and, and pick uh, four seamers and on the basis that you were going to knock Australia over on the first day. Brave, very, very brave. A gamble that absolutely failed. Um, and uh, the think tank of India will be regretting that as uh, they tuck their heads into their pillows English time right here and now. So, OK, that is the situation. 3.27 for three after 85 overs. And uh, play will resume again tonight. And we'll have that uh, coverage for you here on SCNZ. Ball by ball. And uh, that'll be around about 9.30 tonight, New Zealand time. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, 9.21 here on SENZ at this point. Uh, we'll be back shortly. The Mail Run, Saturdays from 8 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. A little bit of the old ZZ top there. Yes, i got to get paid. So uh, that is probably one of the themes of uh, the show today because we're going to continue to f uh, focus uh, in on this uh, Live Golf, or is it Live Golf, or this new merger actually? Live won't, uh, will it cease to exist? That's another point. Uh, Patrick's come in and said, look, morning, Smithy, I felt happy uh, about the golf merger yesterday, but even more so today. Sometimes the media get more wound up about change than people it concerns. Live 
should never be punished. The PGA pillaged golfers for years. Rory says 10 years, I say less than 10 months for the positives of the merger to show its fruition. The Open will still exist. So will the Masters. The history ain't going to go away and the broadcast will be bigger and better. Smithy, it's time for me to go practice my golf swing. Love your show. Patrick from Ashburton. Uh, I, I guess there are uh, a lot of upsides to it and there will be and uh, it will come together and, and time, they say, heals. But um, he's made some weird and wonderful comments, uh, this uh, Jay Monaghan, uh, as, the, as the commissioner, soon to be the CEO. Um, and uh, here he was yesterday trying to explain away one of the moral sides of it. Jay, the 9-11 Families United made a strong statement yesterday. They said you co-opted the 9-11 community in taking a moral stance against Liv. How would you respond to that group? Well, I, um, I read Terry's comments. Uh, I, I, you know, obviously acknowledge her loss and completely understand her position. And to the question that you were just asking, you know, I wish, I think about the fact that I allowed confidentiality to prevail here. And in allowing confidentiality to prevail, I did not communicate to very important constituents, including the families of 9-11. And I regret that. Uh, I, I, I really do. Um, but as we sit here today, you know, I, I, think, I think it's important to, you know, to reiterate that um, I feel like the move that we've made and, and how we move forward is in the best interest of our sport. We've eliminated those fractures. Um, but for, for any, uh, any difficulties I've caused on that front, again, I have to own that as well, and that comes back to communication. Certainly does, uh, certainly does, Jay. Um, and I don't think you answered that very convincingly at all, to be perfectly honest. And uh, talk about wounds healing. Uh, that one's never going to. That one is never going to, and they're thick in the middle of it, uh, the people that you have just uh, gone along with. So uh, that's what we'd like to, to hear um, your thoughts about on 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811, uh, what do you think? I mean, there are golf fans out there. Uh, we know that. Uh, you've come in on golf issues before, but we'd love to hear your stance on this. Uh, do you uh, run with uh, the new merger? Uh, was it inevitable at some point? But what about the process? We talk about the process in sport as much as we do the outcome, don't we? Uh, what about the process in all this? Uh, how have you viewed it? So the golf is one thing we'd love to hear from you about on the moral side of it, uh, the financial side of it. Uh, but the cricket as well overnight. Uh, what did you make of the first day's play? Already we've got a text in from Chris saying, shocking text, uh, shocking uh, decision. Shocking decision to leave uh, Ravi Ashwin out. How could you do that? I mean, he'd be first pick in most sides in the world. How could you leave him out in a five-day game for the World Test Championship? Staggering. Uh, quite staggering. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you on, on the cricket terms. Uh, Warriors fans, we've got the Warriors uh, coming up against uh, Canberra. Uh, can they make it uh, a triple whammy? Bang, bang, bang. Could they do that? Doesn't that happen very often, does it? So uh, are they a possibility to go to Canberra? And, of course, uh, the rugby quarterfinals start tomorrow night. Uh, Blues, Waratahs, then Saturday Chiefs, Reds. Crusaders Drua and Brumbies Canes over the rest of uh, Saturday. 
triple header there for rugby fans. What are your thoughts on the outcome of that? So uh, we'll take your calls, 0800-150811. In the meantime, before we uh, get set up, let's have the news with Aroha. You can catch day two of the World Test Championship final ball-by-ball commentary from 9 to night on SENZ or the SENZ app. Should the golfers who maybe stayed loyal and turned down live, should they be made whole financially? (laughs) I mean, the simple answer is yes. The complex answer is how does that happen? Right? And that's all that's all gray area and up up in the air at the minute. But yeah, there's you know, it's hard to it's hard for me to not sit up here and feel somewhat like a sacrificial lamb and you know, feeling like I've put myself out there and this is what happens. Again, Removing myself from the situation, I see how this is better for the game of golf. There's no denying that. But for me as an individual, yeah, I there's just going to have to be conversations that are had. On the island, in the back room, she was everybody's darling. But she never lost her head, even when she was given head. She says, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. And the colored girls go do 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 25 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Uh, we're just going to reset Smithy's channel there. Um, lots of good texts coming in around the Live Golf PGA Golf situation. And we want to hear from you on 0800-150-811. Um, first up this morning from North Canterbury, just down the road from me, he's in Kaipo. It's Neville. Morning, Nev. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, thanks. I was having a laugh at that little um, um, voiceover that you were playing there of McElroy. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah I well, I mean... <laughs> he hasn't learned. He still hasn't learned. On one hand, he says it's good for golf, and then he says, oh, no, there's going to have to be repercussions. Well, I think he needs to just butt out because... Um, Honestly, he he really has shown his immaturity all the way through. Um, I think it will be good for golf, obviously, because um, all the best players in the world can now play together and enjoy it. Um, I think the majors showed that. I beg pardon. Carry on, sorry. Carry on. No, I think the two majors showed that something had to happen because the players um, were going to really, um, I think, have a bigger say in things than Monaghan and Pally, well, mainly Monaghan. I think he realised his job was going to be on the line because he's been the problem all the way through. Uh, If he had engaged in dialogue with Norman in the beginning... None of all this rubbish would have happened and the PGA Tour would not have had to put up extra hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, they could have had um, the arrangement well worked out with Luke just being an end-of-year um, money grab for those who could qualify and um, they could have avoided all this but um, they've gone through it and now they've just got to get on with it and um, let's get golf back on track. 
So Neville, can I just ask you, what do you think? Prompt, what do you think prompted this? Was it the fact that the the legal battles were going to be so damned expensive? It was just pouring money down the drain, and they thought, well, at the end of it, you know, it's inevitable we will get back together. What do you think prompted this, uh, almost like this clandestine get together by two or three individuals? Well, I'm a bit um, cynical. I've got, I've got a feeling Monaghan and Pally realised that they had been going down the wrong line. And I I, I reckon Monaghan was trying to perfect his job. <laughs> and I'm probably a bit cynical, but I think there's a bit of that there as well. Um, and I think they realised that those two majors that we just had go, you know, how much we need all best golfers playing together. And realised that if they didn't do something, um, well, they were going to be in trouble themselves because a lot of the players had had enough of them making decisions without communicating with the players. You know, when they the PGA Tour brought out all these new tournaments with no cuts, a lot of the players were up in arms and are on record as saying. Oh, they make all these decisions without consulting us. It's not good enough. So um, I think there's a bit of them protecting themselves on my hand. And he, he, he honestly has been the problem all the way through. So just finally, Neville, uh, can I ask you, um, Barry's waiting on the line patiently, so we'll get to Barry in a second. Um, I, I just ask you, when the players have a meeting with Monaghan, as they did in Canada yesterday, someone stands up and says, we, uh, well, I think you should go, and uh, basically the room support him uh, with a round of applause. What does that tell Monaghan, and will he go? Oh, hell, how, how would I know? Even although it was funny when he said um, people are going to accuse me as being a hypocrite, and he admitted it right out. But if the players have said he should go, well, I I would like to think he would go because, well, as I said, he's he's been a major problem, and world golf has not improved with the PGA Tour dominating it. Their attitude with the world rankings, having Monaghan and Pally on that board for world rankings, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, so, in my opinion, he should go. Okay. Cool, Neville. Uh, really appreciated your thoughts this morning. Uh, been around the golf game for a long period of time. Uh, nice to hear that um, from you. Barry from Palmerston North. Barry, good morning to you. Yeah. Hey, hey, Smithy. Hey, um, um, golf, golf fanatic watcher, right? And, yep. And, and it's good. It's, what's happened is good for the watcher, right? But I, 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 like Rory, you know, and, and these boys saying, oh, they should be compensated. It's not like they haven't got a dollar. Hey. I mean, how well, much money well, do you need? That is the thing. How much money do you need? And that was probably the argument right from the outset. Uh, when these guys accept these these exorbitant amounts of money to go and play less golf with a smaller format, uh, and that yeah. was, I think, uh, the, the issue right from the word go. But uh, you know, I don't think anyone's yeah, going to walk right, away from golf. You know, Rory's probably got fifty million in the bank, and he and he's 
upset that he could have got three hundred and fifty million. Well, you know, what's the difference? You know, uh, 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 look, it, it's good. I, I, I'm surprised it came this this early, but it's good for us, you know, viewers. Because um, how, how good was that uh, tournament last weekend, eh? You know, that was just magic. The tough course, Jack Nicholas's course. Yeah, the timing's interesting too, uh, Barry, because, of course, uh, next week they play in Canada this week, but next week uh, they all come together anyway for the US Open. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the, the tension around there. But, and they reckon they've got that course set up real tough. So I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. But, yeah. but um, I, I'll give you the tip now, Smithy, all right? Yep. Moynihan, he, he'll, he'll be gone in a month. But that, that was part of the deal, like unbeknownst to everyone else. Okay. Okay, Barry, we'll keep an eye on that. Um he doesn't think he will. He's uh, named himself as the CEO of the new venture. So uh, we'll wait and see if that comes to fruition. We'll take a quick break uh, and hopefully get uh, a little bit of a window to get some more calls in. It's 9.43. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, it is uh, 9.48. Uh, Brian, is Joey uh, still there? or is, uh, Joey's there. Good morning, Joey from Gizzy. How are you? Yeah, great, mate, great. Hey, listen, I think it's a great thing that the mergers happened. Um, we've got to need a look at the, the PGA dominated golf for so long. I mean, the PGA signed a $8.3 billion global TV deal for six years in 2021, yet they have professional players play two days for free and garner huge TV coverage from it. What I think Liv's done, Smithy, is that she leveled the playing field, not with the big signing on money, but the concept that everybody who plays gets paid and is able to make a living. That's why there was so much eagerness for people to jump across to that tour, those who weren't in the top 50. Because you turn up for three days' work, you know what you're going to get paid, and if you finish in the top, in the top 10, you make, you make the big money. So what I think you've found is that some of the hypocrisy with the PGA scorning the Live Tour because of Saudi's human rights, there's only one way forward for that country to, to put their rights behind them, and that's for people to actually you know, look at it and say, okay, that's the past, is there a future? And when we look at the PGA pinnacle event, the Masters, it's based in Augusta where it is the owners of slaves who played in that. And until Woods came along, it was an all-white institution smithy. So there's some hypocrisy in the history of the PGA that we really need to have a look at if we're going to start pointing fingers and saying the Saudi money is so bad. Yet the Olympics, the World Cups, the Diamond League are all significantly sponsored by this fund, which is promoting sports globally. So without the Saudis, we're putting money into global sport at present. There's no one else smithy that I can see. I think that's a, a, a very good point, and I think that uh, at the bottom of this whole thing is the fact, and even McElroy has acknowledged this, Joe, uh, is the fact that golf will be the beneficiary in the end because it shores up the future for all future players as well. 
um, you know, the young guys who are going on the Corn Ferry Tour, there'll be uh, extra money, you would think, for them. It'll, it'll filter down. The Champions Tour, the likes of uh, Stephen Elko, will be playing for bigger purses. Uh, the LPGA won't be uh, missing out as well. So uh, I think it's, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shore up golf. It's, it's, it's like we talked about. You know, it's very similar to, um, you know, it, it's the processes. It's the protocol and the processes, I think, that has uh, caught everyone by surprise. And, of course, when you do that, Joe, you get mixed reaction. You're definitely right there, Smitty. And you've got, you've got people like Monaghan with his hand out. And you, he's going to be getting a kicker somewhere. Let's all just face that. But oh. what we've got to look now is what is the good of the game? Dead right. Absolutely dead right. We do have to uh, to look forward to that. And, the, uh, you know, the, the US Open, I'm glad the US Open is next week. It'll be a bit frosty for some people around there for a while. Um, but uh, it will make golf the focus again with uh, those players getting back together. And, of course, that'll be a snapshot of how the PGA will look going forward uh, because the other players will at some stage be filtered back in there, whether it's through the Rory McIlroy system or whether it's an easier system than that. We'll have to wait and see. But Joe, thanks very much for being patient. Thanks for your thoughts there. And Louis, uh, before we head to uh, a break, you've got uh, a little bit of information as to how this might all unfold on the back of a tweet. Yeah, well, Michael Goldstein, who we had on the show yesterday, is very plugged into this sort of thing, and he follows the administration side closely. Smithy, there's something called the PIP, which is the Player Impact Program. Now, they brought this into the PGA Tour a couple of years ago to try and, well, essentially remunerate the golfers that were boosting engagement and publicity of the PGA Tour by rewarding them. So the top 25 players, the players that get the viewers, the players that get the fans, that get the boots on the ground. So they essentially had a $100 million fund and they were divvying up how they saw fear. Michael Goldstein has rightly pointed out that there is a lever here to be pulled and that is the PIP. He says it was $100 million to 20 players last year. So in 2023 and beyond, what does it go to with this investment from the investment fund? He reckons it could move to 300 million to 20 to 25 players with any of the live players ineligible to receive that funding. So that would mean he's scaled at $36 million for Rory each year, 27 for Spieth, etc., etc. There is already a fund allocated to it. They have a cash injection and they can set the rules how they like. Okay, interesting. Right, thanks for that information, Louis. Thanks also to uh, everyone that's called in this morning. Uh, we've got a lot of text to read out. Uh, we'll do that in the next couple of hours as well. Uh, we'll take a short break. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we'll look at what's coming up in the next hour. Here on SENZ. 3 to 6 on SENZ. The information to make your day on the punt a memorable one. Louis and Nick on the mail run Saturdays from 8 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, 9.58, time for a couple of texts. Uh, The Masters isn't the PGA, yes, you're right, it isn't. Uh, The Masters is the Masters, they're their own entity, Uh, a lot of their... uh, Participation is around about invite. They'll make their calls on who they want to be in their tournament. Uh, they had to live players there, of course, as uh, former champions. I don't see that changing. Um, Rory's coming for a bit of comment here. Uh, hi, Smithy. Rory made a commercial decision, but where he failed to do due diligence uh, was he mixed his emotions with his decision. 
He must have seen the future. The man, the most gold oil, makes the rules. Of course, uh, that is true, Tim. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, also, uh, came in and said, Rory is carrying on like the world's biggest baby. If he'd signed with Liv, then he wouldn't be harping on like this. Uh, it's not as if he has a shorter money, is it? Cry me a river, says Mark. So no sympathy there for Rory McIlroy. Wonder if Michael Glading will have any sympathy for Rory McIlroy. Uh, we'll talk to him after 10 o'clock. It's news time with Araha. Day two of the World Test Championship final ball-by-ball commentary from 9 to night on SENZ or the SENZ app. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the wash-up from yesterday's historic sporting bombshell that the PGA Tour has U-turned all the way into bed with the Saudi uh, Public Investment Fund has only just begun and there still seems to be more questions than answers on the future of golf. What the tours look like in the future is a major talking point uh, with Live Golf uh, boss Greg Norman and their golfers expecting it to be business as usual on their startups uh, journey. Plus, uh, the bonus rounds when they head back to the PGA Tour for their most prestigious events. The top golfers who stayed loyal and true to the PGA, though, they don't see it like that. Just ask Rory McIlroy. I still hate live. Like, I hate live. Like, I... I hope it goes away and I would fully expect that it does um, and I think that's where the distinction here is this is the PJ Tour the DP World Tour and the PIF very different from Liv right then uh, that's Rory uh, Michael Glading of course uh, often uh, on the show and uh, we're thankful for his time this morning tournament director of the New Zealand Open also on the board uh, member of uh, New Zealand PGA uh, morning, Michael. Um, 24 hours down the track. <laughs> what are you thinking about all this now? Uh, I guess uh, it's uh, still in the act in the process of bewilderment. But nevertheless, uh, kind of uh, the picture's being painted a little clearer. And, and you know, if you really analyse it, what it is, it's. Um, uh, I suppose if you're going to give some credit, you've got to give it credit to the Saudis. The Saudis, I would say, embarked on Live Golf with one end goal in mind, that they wanted to, to be a controlling factor within the PGA Tour. And I think that that's kind of... And when you think about it, they've actually just achieved that, you know. And uh, the players are only pawns in a very, very, very large money game, right? And um, even the live golfers, not that I feel one iota of sympathy for any of them, some of those would just get cast aside now, you know. So it's it's kind of, it's, it's an interesting where it ends up, right? It ends up because if you'd have said, Three years ago, while the Saudis want to buy a share of PJ Tour, everyone would have said, you know, what, what, what drugs are you taking? Um, but that's happened. And it's happened through their, their throwing so much money at a thing called Live Golf, which has brought PGA Tour to a point where they realize that financially to fight this thing is, is probably, you know, that they don't have the bottomless pit that the, uh, that the Saudis have. And so they've gone to the table and sold them a share of their business, which they would never have contemplated doing had Live Golf not 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 existed. So it's kind of I, I guess I'm kind of rationalising it in in terms of the murky world of money. Well, it's inevitable now, Michael. You're right. Uh, it is. It has been outlined. It, it will happen. The ins and outs and the the T's and the 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 dots on the eyes are, are still 
really to be uh, uh, laid out in front of us. But um, the interesting figure in all of this, um, and I think the, the figure that has caused the most controversy here, is the Commissioner Jay Monaghan, who was so who was so uh, adamant that this this kind of thing could never happen under his watch. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was uh, it was actually a year ago at the Canadian Open last year where he made his uh, now famous statement about, you know, how these guys that are going to live need to think about 9-11 and, uh, and, and I hope that they think about 9-11 at the time they sign up with Live Golf. And now he's just sold, sold part of the whole shooting box to the people that he was uh, supposedly despising. So it just shows the uh, hypocrisy, again, of business and, dare I say, it, American business at, at the very top. You know, we... we uh, are really cautious and concerned about Saudi money, but I've got to say you probably should be equally concerned about American money. It's just as tainted in, in some respects, at least. Uh, you could say the Americans don't cut people up and put them in suitcases, but nevertheless, they do arm a lot of people with guns. So uh, I sound like I'm uh, wanting to solve the world here, Smithy, but um, my, the hypocrisy of what's happening um, on both sides is crazy. It's crazy. Right, okay, so uh, we've had situations where the players have had to come together, particularly for uh, the majors because of former winners and their uh, automatic qualification, etc. Now it looks like, um, and and despite what Rory says, they're going to come back together again. How is this going to play out when you hear the comments of the McElroy, where you see the reaction of the players in the room yesterday in Canada who basically said, get the hell out of here, Jay Monaghan, we don't want anything to do with you anymore? Yes, I mean, it's, you know, I can't see uh, uh, Patrick Reed and, and Rory McIlroy sitting down and having a sandwich together, can you? When when it wasn't that long ago that Patrick Reed served him as a summons. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of hurt, right? Um, but, I, you know, I suppose, again, if we're time does heal some of those things and you know if you look back at the uh back at uh, Kerry Packer's cricket thing you know the guys that went to Kerry Packer were all shunned and then you know in time they they all became teammates again and and I guess that's that's inevitable that that will happen um but there'll be some blood on the floor for quite some time and and there'll be some rifts that will will never heal I can't see the likes of Phil Mickelson there but to be fair I don't think he was ever very popular anyway uh, other than with the fans but you know with with fellow players so you're you're right there'll be there'll be strains in the corridors uh, in the locker rooms for a long long time eventually time will fix that the guys I really feel sorry for more so when you think about it are the guys who are kind of ranked you know if you like below the below the 75 mark because what's happened with live golf is that a whole lot of new guys have actually had opportunities and have come in and some have done it very very well and now they'll get shunted back down the end of the pile again so yeah it's it's it, there's quite a few change. again the players become a pawn in this sadly even though pga tour is all going around saying we're a member organization and we do what's right for the members the hell they are they're a large corporate it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned the word porn. Is, is that effectively what Greg Norman was for all of us? Was he played as well? Yeah, completely. It was kind of ironical, wasn't it? I mean, uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, the fact that he wasn't involved in the discussions and was basically told, for, you know, five minutes before it went public, as as it would appear Rory was as well, is absolutely staggering. But again, I, I think that that's probably again Jay Mon- Monaghan flexing his PGA muscle, saying one, you know, rule number one: before we sit down, before we talk, I'm not dealing with Greg Norman and the Saudis. Are going, yeah, okay, no problem.
We'll move him along <laughs> again. The, the, the corporate world we live on. Corporations have no soul. <laughs> and this is a man who worked for a corporation for 30 odd years, by the way, so I'm okay with it. But <laughs> I just know how it works, that's all. <laughs> so can, can Monaghan survive and uh, take up this role as CEO, or will the players at, at, at some point have just an ounce of power, just a little bit of power in this? I think he will survive. You know, it was quite interesting watching Rory's press conference. If people haven't seen it, let's go onto YouTube and have a look at it. It's very, very good. And uh, and Rory was guardedly. I mean, he was praising his business skills, and I think that that's probably the messaging which uh, which the PGA Tour will be shedding. And uh, whilst, as I say, I think the guys who will be really pissed, the guys who've really got a lot to lose, are unfortunately not the Rory's or the or the Justin Thomas's or John Rams of this world. It's actually the guys ranked 75 and below. They're the guys that mm. they'll be, but they won't they won't have the power. The power will rest in the. I just thought today when Rory was sort of reluctantly, if you like, endorsing Jay Monaghan, I thought that that was quite a significant statement. Okay, right. Okay, let's just, just change tack a wee bit and talk about the positive side of golf, which actually is the playing of it. Um, Ryan Fox's first, um, well, month, I suppose, uh, with uh, a special entry into the PGA, a special dispensation. What have you made of that? Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's, uh, you know, his performance, even last week, I know he had a bad opening round, but if you look at what he did in the last three rounds, it's pretty phenomenal, you know, and he's really shown that he belongs there. His world ranking, I think, is 42 now. And, you know, just so great that he's done that because, again, with this shake-up that we're going to see, uh, the top, I keep saying, you know, the top sort of 50-odd in the world will be absolutely fine. Below that, there are guys that there are going to be some casualties. And thank goodness Ryan has, has excelled, you know, very much at the right time. My hat's off to him. I think he's just absolutely marvellous. You know, he's taken that opportunity. And, he, you know, he's done that through his career. If you think about it, you know, he was on the Challenge Tour in Europe and, 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 uh, and only got a few starts as a result of his then-management company managed to get him in the field. And, and he won a tournament. You know, and he, he's taken... He's shown the ability to take an opportunity when it's there, and that's just a sign of somebody mentally in, 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 in a great space. And I just love what he does and, and, and the quality of his game, and he's just proving now that he belongs where he is. And I think he's, he's funny enough, when, when he was about due to go to America, and I was talking to him, and, uh, and I said to him, you know, you're good enough to win on the PGA Tour. And he said to me, you know what? He said, people have been saying that to me for years, but it's only now that I actually believe it. And that was quite interesting. He said that to me like four or five months ago. And um, mm. and 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 I, he does believe it. So as you know, it's such a mental game, isn't it? And he he's had a mental switch, if you like, uh, a very very positive one. I love it. I love what he's doing, and I just you know wish him all the best. He's he's you know such a great great person and a great and a really really strong player. I love it. Well, he'll be there next week at the Los Angeles Country Club where uh, live golfers, uh, those who uh, have previously won, um, will be there as well. Um, butting heads with uh, whoever. Uh, so uh, prospects for the uh, US Open uh, next week uh, in uh, in California. Amazing performance by Brooks Koepka, uh, love him or hate him. Um, and you've got to be thinking that he'll be there or thereabouts again. Yeah, you've got to, absolutely. I mean, every time the US Open, he's got to, he probably goes into it favour every time. I mean, you know, I love what Rory's doing. I don't like the fact that he's obviously not hitting his irons as well as he should. Um, 
but he's again so mentally strong and in those really big events uh, the mental strength is probably the most important thing so if he can if he can iron that out be interesting to see how it goes this week again in Canada as he tries for a three-peat um, but yeah it, it, it's the obvious targets isn't it like, you know I think that and then below that you've got the you know Sheffley's and the and, and, and the Cantalays and that which uh, which again the cream rises to the top in the US Open and and that'll happen again. Um, it, 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 yeah, it's a fantastic goal. I'd love to love to. Uh, I can't wait to be sitting in front of the TV watching that one. Okay, and just finally, of course, um, you um, tournament director for um, our uh, big event. Uh, I, I just wonder. Uh, we're only talking June um, here, yeah. but. Uh, Plans underway, and and I, I suppose looking for uh, prospective players as well. Yeah, a little a little bit early for that. I'm actually fortunate enough to be going to the British Open, so not that there'll be a lot of players there that will be relevant to us. Um, but I'll, later in the year, we'll be heading up to Asia again and Japan, um, which is where our fertile grounds have been. Uh, but yeah, we've uh, you know we've come out of last year after a two year gap, or it was effectively three year gap because of COVID. Um, the tournament went really, really well. Um, we've uh, maintained all our sponsors. Delighted to say that we're uh, looking like we're going to pick up uh, some extra ones, uh, and that allows us to have a bit more resource because we were pretty resource poor last year. So yeah, it's a very we're in a very, very positive headspace, and that's without Saudi money. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm very happy with where we're heading. Okay, Michael. Uh, interesting times for golf uh, globally. Uh, we'll just uh, wait to see how this plays out. It uh, gets a headline every day at the moment, so I don't think that's going to change for a while. Thanks for your time, as always. Uh, have a terrific day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Michael Glading there, of course, uh, one of the voices of New Zealand golf with his thoughts. Uh, I think it's inevitable, of course, it's going to come back together. It's just the friction in between times. We continue to get uh, texts through on this. Uh, Matt is coming and said, look, Smithy, when Liv came around, you had Kiwi Junos on your show that were disgusted, outraged and flabbergasted at golfers signing with Liv and they would never watch them based on human rights. Where do they stand now, given the PGA is flushed with Saudi cash? Yet those guys on the phone, I sense there will be hypocrisy there as well. Um, I, I think you're probably right, uh, Matt, as journalists. I, I think uh, they've got to report the facts. We do too here on the radio uh, show. The facts are, the facts are it's going to happen. Uh, the facts are the players um, who don't want it to happen uh, don't have to get involved. But if they want to continue their job of work at the highest level, they're going to have to be because that is that. I mean, it's been formed, um, and that includes the DP Tour as well. So um, I get where you're coming from, um, and I understand that perhaps you're uh, quite heavily in, in favour of it. But in all honesty, um, uh, Mikey said, look, Smithy, read golf. Coincidentally, I've been watching the Godfather movie series on Netflix. In the third movie, Michael Corleone uh, pays the Vatican Church $600 million to align himself with them and make his mafia business appear legitimate. Enough said, says Mikey G. Enough said. Um, okay, uh, Louis, where do you sit on this? I mean, you, you're um, a, a sports fan as such. You're a journalist as well. Uh, where, do you, where do you sit on this? Do you feel as if... Um, you have to eat humble pie a wee bit. I, I, I don't even know where, where you stood from from the outset. I don't want to necessarily take a victory lap, Smithy, but I think I might because I, I didn't actually paint Liv as the worst thing in the world and go back and, you know, we've the good thing about the radio was we podcast everything. Look, when Izzy and me were talking about it way back when, I 
well, it helped that I knew a couple of people that were potentially going to be involved, but I kind of saw the bigger picture that, look, at the end of the day, this isn't um, doomsday. This wasn't going to be the end of golf. If anything, it was actually just going to expand golf to new horizons. Now, the Saudi part of it's really interesting, but again, for me, it goes back to this sports washing concept and Saudi Arabia putting themselves in the... And people don't agree with this fundamentally, that's fine. But Saudi Arabia putting themselves in the forefront of our minds in everyday life, they've been doing it for years. Look at the Saudi public investment fund and tell me, do you jump out of your Uber 10% before you've finished your trip? Because you don't like the investment in Uber or whatever banks or whatever social media platforms or whatever Silicon Valley companies that they've been involved in for the better part of multiple decades now. So... For me, and it's only for me, I have reconciled it with myself personally that I think that their involvement in sport isn't as bad as some people believe. But that's a personal decision. And on Live, I could see that there was a broader horizon. And they were always going to meet in the middle at some stage. I believe if they had signed Rory or Tiger or got, probably it would have only been those two, maybe John Rahm, this would have happened as soon as that did. And, and Live, yes. It was a. It was just a pawn. It was maybe just a play. The, the Saudis played their hand perfectly, as Michael said. I do agree with that. But now I don't think Liv's just going to disappear. Like Rory, when Rory says that, I, I just again, I just think he is. He's trying his hardest to separate his emotions from his pragmatism. But I don't think he's quite got it there yet because they're not just going to bin this Liv concept that they've pumped billions of dollars into. It might be spun off and changed, but it'll be here to stay for a bit longer than Rory thinks and. Again, just going back to your, your initial question, for me, I could kind of see the bigger picture, but I know it sounds pretty bloody wanky or whatever, but I truly did. I, I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world. Okay, fair enough. Um, I understand that, and uh, I think uh, whilst I'm not sure whether you're in the majority there, I, I think that uh, the gap's closed, and uh, this, even though it's been a bit fractious to begin with, uh, will close it even further, and... I think uh, everyone will be holding hands and walking down the fairway quite happily in the space of about a year's time, and uh, all this will just be like the Kerry Packer saga, uh, which uh, split cricket and then brought it back together. Um, And uh, at the end of the day, cricketers were better for it um, as individuals, and then, of course, now we've developed into the IPL, which uh, I also recall uh, when it was first um, initiated, people thought this is a terrible thing for cricket. Honestly, this is terrible. It's going to split teams. It's going to make players just available for that. You know, uh, where are our international sides going to be? There has been an element of that. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, but uh, T20 cricket uh, is the lifeblood of it. And it appears the, the lifeblood of golf going forward will be Saudi money. Very, very interesting. 10.20, take a short break. Um, when we come back, uh, we probably, I think, give you a pacing for purpose uh, horse for the week. Uh, looking forward, too, to catching up with Karen Berger, Silver Ferns defender, after uh, 10.30 this morning, too. Part of the World Cup squad announced yesterday by Dame Nolan. Busy to Ricardo. What a roster we have on SCNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, pacing for purpose, season two. 
Rightio, yes, Pacing for Purpose. Uh, all proceeds, of course, going to charity, and our particular charity is Women's Refuge, and uh, they're doing pretty well out of it at the moment. Uh, $1,367.50 is uh, our amount of money that's going to them. We're second only to um, the drive show, if you call it, or the run home at $1,505. So we're only a matter of about 140 bucks behind them. Maybe uh, this uh, tip tonight... With a Sharky's Girl, race six, number one. Sharky's Girl uh, is our pacing for purpose horse. One from the same draw last year, uh, last start, I should say, and no reason why a repeat is not on the cards here. So uh, that's, I think, around about four bucks on the tote. So we picked up that. That would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, we're focused heavily on the golf this morning. We're going to go away from that now. We've uh, got some. Uh, I, I guess some cricket texts to read out uh, throughout the morning. Uh, we've also um, got to catch up with uh, Karen Berger very shortly um, because uh, the netball team was announced yesterday and it's a very, very strong-looking side. Uh, Karen Berger there with uh, Gina Crampton, uh, Amelia-Ann Ekanasio, Maddie Gordon, Kate Heffernan, Kelly Jury, uh, Phoenix Karaka, uh, Grace Nwicky, uh, Tapaya, Selby Rickett, uh, Whitney Soonis, Jane Watson and uh, Maya Wilson. So two teammates there for Carlin Berger uh, and Tapia Selby-Rickett and uh, Jane Watson, of course. But uh, they are very, very strong sides, uh, strong side by on the outside looking in, of course. We are the defending champions there. So um, and Pete says, please ask Karen if she thinks she will be playing wing defence when the big games roll around. Uh, we'll do that, Pete, on your behalf. Uh, so there we go. Sean says, have we heard anything about the chair and deputy chair being rolled yesterday at Harness Racing New Zealand? Good job, I say. Louis, eyebrows raised there uh, from that text. I did not know anything about that. Uh, that's something we'll uh, perhaps approach tomorrow with a fellow by the name of Michael Geddon um, after, uh, what, about quarter to 12 tomorrow when we have Mick on in his usual slot. Uh, he'll know all about that, so uh, we'll catch up on that information. Right, I uh, want to get to the news a bit early, uh, this news, because we're, we need to catch up with uh, Karen as soon as possible. It's uh, coming up to 10.29. Heavy unit for the tournament's debut on the African continent. 16 teams will compete for the ultimate prize in world netball, and our ferns will be looking to keep hold of the trophy they won back in 2019. And joining us now to talk about that squad and the World Cup is one of the standouts of the ANZ Premiership this year and Silver Ferns defender who will be looking forward to this one, especially Karen Berger. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm really cool and uh, excited to see your name in the list uh, going home, basically, for uh, a World Cup, which will be special to you. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. You know, we've been prepping for this for quite a while and um, January saw was a bit of a taste of what that would be like. So really excited to finally have the name on that list and being able to prepare for that for the next couple of months. Karen, uh, how is South Africa going to react to uh, this World Cup, their first one of ho- hosting it? Yeah, I mean, looking at the... Um, the tournament that we had in January there's so many eager netball supporters out there to be able to have a clinical event like that in a country that haven't had many tournaments is pretty awesome Um, and the vibes were really good you know even though it was a small crowd it was extremely loud as well so I'm sure they'll be prepping for it and having had that taste in January though I'm pretty sure the tickets will be flying out the door to be able to be there in July. And particularly special for you too. Uh, I mean, obviously born in uh, Cape Town, 
Um, when you left, I, I would doubt that you had any thoughts that perhaps you'd be coming back from a World <laughs> Cup to play in front of friends and family. So really nice. Yeah, no, I mean, moving to New Zealand, I didn't even consider the fact that I might be able to, uh, to play in the black dress. So not even talking about the fact that I can play in the black dress in South Africa. So um, it's a pretty surreal um, and it's been a long time coming. So it's pretty awesome to be able to say that I'm going to play in my home country, um, possibly against my home, uh, against my home country as well. Well, injury kept you out of the Commonwealth Games last year. You came back looking better mm. than ever with a, a strong season <laughs> for the tactics. How did you use your time during that injury layoff? Uh, and, uh, you know, th- what did you find out about yourself as a netballer while you were looking to get back? Yeah, I think a positive mindset was really important for me to make sure that, you know, I utilise my time to the best of my ability um, and that I do work on the little things that I haven't been able to work on over the last few years and you know when things are going well you don't want to change too much in your routine and the way you do things so the six months that I had off it allowed me an opportunity to mix things up a little bit and experiment with a few things um, and quite a lot of them have pulled off in in a positive way to be able to allow me to be a better um, athlete and be able to be prepared mentally as well so yeah it's been a really good even though you don't want injuries to happen I think it's been a really good thing for me to be able to refresh my mind um, and my body to be able to put my best foot forward for World Cup as well. You've got an amazing combination on court with uh, Jane Watson which will hopefully, surely come into play for the Ferns in this tournament. How long did it take to develop that relationship? Yeah, I think my first um, year playing with Jane, we took about all of pre-season and a little bit of like maybe two or three rounds of in-season as well. Um, I think it's mainly because we predominantly play on feeling as well. So obviously to be able to play on feeling with each other, you need to understand each other in that way as well. So I think, but once it clicked, you know, um, it just went, from there and even though she had that year off um, coming back in because we had that connection built in that first year it was just like you know just getting back into things again Um, so I'm pretty lucky to have that combination with her um, and hopefully I can build that with a few of the other players in the squad as well. Karen, you principally play goal defence in the tactics but you have played wing defence in the black dress um, where we are pretty light on specialists at the moment. So what are you expecting in terms of this tournament? Are you keeping a pretty open mind about it? Yeah, to be honest, um, whatever keeps me out on court is what I'll be happy to play. I enjoy both positions for different reasons. So I just enjoy the game itself. So I know every combination, different combinations will be required for different things or different teams we play against. So whatever that looks like, wherever I need to slot in to be the best for my team, that's what I I want to do. So I'm going in open-minded and just knowing that everyone's fighting for a spot in that um, starting lineup. So I'm going to have to do the same. Right, with the mid-court options available uh, to Nolene, must be looking forward to uh, a lot of turnover ball, which is one of your uh, areas of uh, expertise. So, so uh, what, do you, what do you expect in terms of the playing style for this tournament and from the other nations as well? Because uh, we don't get an opportunity uh, to catch up too much with them these days. 
Mm. I think New Zealand's style is pretty much relying on units and being able to play together as a unit and um, that's why it's really important for each person to understand what their role and job description is for each of those so that we can put our best foot forward and, and turn over balls. It's not an individual thing for us. We're very reliant on the people around us so if one person doesn't do their job it sort of reflects to the rest of the unit as well and I think if you look at other teams each team have their own style of play as well so I'm sure we'll adjust slightly to other teams we come up against but I think if you can be really strong in what you do and the performance you put out there and know what you're trying to do I think we'll, we'll be good to go. I mean we've done it once and we're trying to go for back to back here um, and we've got a great group of people um, and even considering the wider squad you know I know the selections wouldn't have been easy and so we've told, um, talked about this in the past as well that everybody's got skin in the game and everybody's had their input it's not just the 12 that get selected so um, it's just we're lucky enough to represent the rest of them to be able to um, fight for that gold. Karen, you mentioned uh, that you uh, will have to make adjustments. You might have to do that too with some of the officiating because uh, it will change. Um, we like the physical mm. game. Um, we've seen that uh, with throughout the ANZ competition. Do you expect the same level of physicality to be allowed at the World Cup? Yeah, I think it depends on what teams you come up against as well. I think when you come up against a team that's also physical, they tend to let some of that stuff go a little bit as contesting. But when you come up against a cleaner team that plays a bit more sport, um, like space, like Jamaica would, I think it is really important that we do adjust. Um, but that's what we have to do at this level. We're elite athletes and we should be able to do that anyway. So we can't just say this is the way we play and expect the umpires to adjust to us. We need to be able to adjust quite quickly and hopefully we've got an experience group of girls that, that know how to do that and I know we've got a coach that will be able to help us and tell us how to do that as well so I'm not too worried about that aspect. Just looking back to the ANZ uh, Championship, uh, how would you sum up the tactics this year? <laughs> um, late bloomers. <laughs> I think we it took a while for us to start hitting those um, those links and the, the relationships on court. Um, we finished quite strong. I know we started quite strong as well, but then um, you know a lot of other teams start developing and, and you know progressing and we sort of hit a little bit of a lull. Um, and then you know we finished quite strong, but we would have needed that to come a little bit earlier on. So unfortunately, it was a bit late. But fingers crossed, we can keep the the biggest or majority of the group together to hopefully just progress from what, how we finish this year into next year. I would imagine uh, training camps must start very soon, and it's very soon. And knowing the, the mm -hmm. reputation of uh, Dame Nolene. Uh, there'll be a lot of fitness, um, a lot of hard work involved in uh, the next uh, few weeks leading into this tournament. What are you expecting there? Definitely, especially with you know the um, the prep we've been getting and knowing that our bodies need to be able to handle what the next four weeks are going to look like. Um, I think everybody has been involved with some sort of camp with you to this point to, to know what we need to be prepared for. Um, but that's been the constant chat from up top, you know, whether that's for the physios and the strength and conditioning people to make sure that we are capable of our bodies able to handle that. And then it comes down to the mental side of things as well. I think mentally, if you're strong enough, you can handle quite a, quite a lot, if the, even if the body's not capable of doing that. So um, we have been talking about the fact that the next four weeks are going to be brutal, but we know what we're trying to do. And I think that's the most important thing. thing. If you keep hold of 
what you're trying to do at the very end, then you know the suffering that we go through at the moment or the next four weeks will definitely be worth it. Is it in your thinking? Is it between um, your um, ferns? Um, is it between Australia and England, or does it stretch wider than that for you? I think it does stretch a little bit wider. I think Jamaica's got a really good potential, and we saw that in the Com Games as well. I mean, especially with um, Rob helping them out as well, there's a lot more structure in their game, and they're a lot more clinical with holding on to ball. And they've got amazing ends, you know, tall shooters and an amazing keeper that can get them ball too. So um, I think it does stretch a little bit wider. Um, you do go in with a bit of a, a preconceived ideas of what it would look like, but come tournament time, you know, it's open slather for anybody because everybody um, steps up. Whatever their prep looks like, I think we're fortunate to be able to have a really solid four weeks prep. And other teams, for example, Jamaica might not have that time together. So, um, yeah, I, I would definitely say it's a little bit wider than that. But also knowing that we need to prep for those teams that we always come up against and we know it's a big battle. Karen Berger, absolute pleasure to catch up with you. Congratulations. Uh, selection was never in doubt, but uh, congratulations. Always nice to hear your name in the squad and enjoy the trip back home as well. Um, it should be a very special awesome. time for you personally. So let's hope it goes well, eh? Cool. Thank you so much for the chat. Have a lovely day. And to you too. Uh, Karen Berger there, uh, part of that uh, Silver Ferns uh, squad, which uh, looks damn powerful to me on paper, uh, fresh off uh, that... Uh, ANZ Premiership, um, Dame Nolene has watched a serious amount of netball in the last few weeks and finally she gets to be hands-on again. So uh, look out girls, it's going to be a tough build-up but uh, you've probably reaped the rewards for it uh, when you get to the Republic. It's 10.41 here on SENZ. SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime, 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, they're running around seven times today at New Plymouth and the first will begin at five minutes to 12 this morning. And uh, Louis, you've been looking at uh, some of the quality of uh, that on show today. Yeah, don't just write this off as a, a Thursday meeting in, in June that you might forget in New Plymouth because you won't. Because some of the bloodstock on display today, a lot of it due to Mr. Alan Sherrick, who is no stranger to beautiful bloodstock, um, now, I'll, I'll highlight a couple for you, Smithy. Actually, love, ra- love Racing.nz, I just had a look then. They've got a good write-up about the Stephen Gray interview you did yesterday. So that was great to get Stephen on, and, and obviously his, his sentiments were heard wide and far because they've got a good write-up there. So if you missed that, go to loveracing.nz and, and have a look. But back to today's affair at New Plymouth. How about race number three? And I thought I recognised the breeding of this horse. Its name is Mr. Didgeridoo. Now, where that comes from, I'm not sure. But we've got a Darren Gelding out of Often. Darren, of course, the, the good sprinting sire they've got down there in the CD. Now, Often ring, rung a bell, and Often, of course, was the horse that Kempe and Alan and Bruce had together, the mare, and then they 
did a bit of breeding from, and the breeding's gone pretty good so far because it's produced Just Ask Me. So Mr. Didgeridoo's this wee deer, and I think for a long period of time, Kempi's been telling us Alan thinks can gallop. So it's um, it's had a trial, and it's gone okay in the trial. And just reading Mr. Sharrick's comments around Mr. Didgeridoo, they're going to put the blinkers on next start, and he'll be ready to strike. But today... 360 to 220 with deductions. It's a small enough field. There's a few first starters in here. Robbie Patterson's got one. Out of focus, can gallop as well. The Sacred Fool's gelding there for Ellen. I'd expect it to be hitting the line really strongly. No one would be shocked if it won on debut, but exciting days for Kempe. Uh, exciting day for Kempe as he gets a runner to the track, which is always a real buzz, as you know, Smithy. Mm, absolutely it is. Um, right. Uh, we've, uh, you, you've got anything else that you perhaps would like to bring up? Yeah, well, it doesn't stop there as far as the, the regularly bred uh, goes today at New Plymouth. Again, in the next race, race number four, there's a horse down the bottom called So Spice, number nine, Michael McNabb, Ifraj Double L. Now, I suspect that is very similar, if not the exact breeding of Ginger Nuts. Um, so interesting to see a, a filly that's... T- uh, the colours I don't actually recognise. So L's obviously had this... Philly delivered to him by a set of owners who trust his ability. And in the same race, well, there's a purring canto out of Madonna Mia, who I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that's the dam of Lucky Swainess, the horse that's just tied, I think, Beauty Generation's record for the most wins in Hong Kong in a season. Lucky Swainess, I think the highest rated sprinter in the world or very close to it at the moment. So Alan Sharrick... Somebody sees him, buy him a drink on behalf of Smithy and me, and um, hopefully, if he's feeling generous, he might throw us a, a decimal of a percent in one of these gallopers because it's the big boy time today. Lazio, Per Encanto, Madonna Mia in the same race. They're Farage Double L, so spice. And that's after Kempi's had a runner. What a day. Alan Sharrick and Generosity. I'm not quite sure they fit in the same bracket. <laughs> I have to give it some. I have to give it a minute or two to think about that. Alan Sharrick, generosity. Alan Sharrick, generosity. No, 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 hey, no I t- can't get Yeah? <laughs> they actually call him, well, T. Lee calls him uh, Shake Sharrock. Do you reckon Al mm. Sharrick might have enough money to be able to, um, I don't know, bail the New Zealand PGA out or something, take it over? Well, uh, I think the way he's going lately, he's pretty hot. He probably would, but then again, he won't part with it. He won't part with it. It's 10.51 here on SENZ. We'll catch up uh, with the TAB very shortly. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. anytime. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Rightio, it's 10.56 here on SENZ and uh, Al Sharrick has uh, got a lot of fans out there, Louis. In fact, um, uh, one we know very well, um, Tony Kemp has uh, come in and said, uh, Kemp, he said, hey boys, Al is the most generous bloke you'll meet. He would give you the shirt off his back if you want to share in a horse. Hit me up and I'll get you a share myself at a price. Good on you, Kempe. Uh Thanks for listening as well. We know uh, Alan um, Sharrick is a, a very generous man. If Alan Sharrick, what he gives to the industry, is absolutely fantastic. So uh, we were just having him on, to be fair. Uh, I'm not sure he'd even be listening. He'd be busy getting his horses ready, do we? 
Oh, he's a, he's an avid SCNZ man as well. Uh, yeah, 100%. And good good on Kempe just trying to get himself a little bit of commission there as well. Uh, noted. Um, the, the, I, I've got a huge amount of respect for what Alan's done because he has... Well, his father, obviously, is a legend um, as far as we talk about racing heritage goes. And what Alan's been able to do from New Plymouth for a long period of time, targeting big races and rattling the cage of um, major northern stables. Yeah, immense respect. Just one thing with Alan. One thing with Mr. Alan Sharrick. Don't walk on the track while he's walking to uh, working two-year-olds on a Saturday morning before the Openaki Cup. You make that mistake once in your life, and you never do it again. I've never been so terrified at a racetrack. And it's uh, it's a good warning shot to fire. So just let him work as two year olds in peace is what I'd say. Don't just aimlessly in your in your t- uh, your R M Williams your city cowboy boots wander onto the track just to try and get a read on how puggy it is. He doesn't care. All right, Louis. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, right. Uh, we'd normally be talking to uh, someone from the TAB at uh, this particular point, and they'd tell us about the odds that are available today, um, and uh, particularly what, uh, when it comes to the NBA. Now, of course, this series is tied up at one apiece uh, between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. Head-to-head today, uh, the Denver Nuggets are at a buck sixty-two. The Miami Heat are at $2.23. Um, you can get a point start of uh, plus or minus three and a half, depending on which way you want to go there. So uh, that is an interesting one in uh, the sense uh, that that was a surprise. That was a wee bit of a surprise, and it really did breathe early life into the series that a lot of people were forecasting uh, that it would just be one-way traffic. So uh, we'll see if uh, big Nikola Djokic uh, can get the boys fired up today uh, and uh, come home for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, also, of course, there's uh, the uh, NRL tonight, Gold Coast Titans and the West Tigers. Titans a buck eighty, the West Tigers a dollar ninety-seven. That's uh, what the market is head to head tonight. A dollar eighty, a dollar ninety-seven. All right, after eleven o'clock, we're going to be talking to the general manager of sports and events at Television New Zealand. They have just announced a, a real um, menu of sport beginning in July for us on TVNZ free to air it is as well and that of course is Melody 14, Robinson 1476 AM in Auckland this is SENZ it's Kiwi for sport Three from 9 tonight on SENZ or the SENZ app Brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. <laughs> it's uh, 11.02 and uh, we field a lot of questions almost on a daily basis on this show and across the station Uh, particularly about the sports broadcasting and rights landscape in New Zealand with Spark Sport, of course, shutting their doors down and so many major events coming up. Well, timing is a funny thing because just yesterday TVNZ has confirmed what sports and competitions they will show free to air from the next month. They are launching a sports hub on TVNZ Plus, showing live events, replays and highlights. Cricket and major events will also be available on TVNZ's broadcast channels, and importantly for us, the punters, both options will be free. Now, Melody Robinson is well known to us as a sports fan, uh, as a Black Fern, of course, a former Black Fern, 
and a Sky Sports presenter. But nowadays, uh, she is uh, the general manager for sports and events at TVNZ. And it's great to chat to you this morning, Mel. How are things going? Well, uh, very good in my world at the moment, as you'd you'd probably expect, because it's just great to have a whole lot of sport um, back on free the air. And uh, as a cricket um, expert, I think you'd be pretty exciting, excited that for three years we're going to have so much cricket on TV One and Duke. Yes, I certainly am, um, Mel. I, I really am, and um, I, I'm I'm so interested in that because I was wondering. Uh, exactly what was going to happen. So now that that's been confirmed, that is great, and uh, I'm sure that'll please a hell of a lot of our listeners as well. Uh, what's the process been like for you uh, since uh, Spark Sport made that announcement uh, about closing down and, and transferring a number of these rights across to you? Has it been an easy transference? Uh, look, actually, yes. Um, usually when you have to transfer contracts, it's reasonably um, complex, but every single one of those sports rights holder uh, holders understood um, why Spark was getting out of the business, and they were really comfortable with uh, being transferred to TVNZ, who have partnered with Spark Sport uh, on a number of different occasions. And plus, I guess they saw there was an advantage um, to, com- to going to a company that has not only uh, traditional broadcast channels, but is also putting a lot of development to TVNZ+. Um, I think the one thing that Spark Sport did really well was uh, get a lot of Kiwis onto a streaming platform, um, is the way they view sport and so we've put a huge investment into TVNZ Plus and getting the sports hub um, close to the experience that you get on Spark Sport because we think that uh, they developed that over the last four, four years in a really um, fantastic way to view sports um, and by the time cricket season hits we should have a lot of our new development up and running for that. Mel, obviously uh, one of the things that um, was detracting a little bit from uh, Spark Sports' efforts in those areas was access. Um, you know, a lot of people weren't able to do it. A lot of people, of course, are in the older bracket who were reluctant yep. to try something new. Tell us a wee bit about uh, the ease of TVNZ Plus for those people. Yeah, look, it's um, it actually reaches about 1.2, just about 1.3 million Kiwis uh, every week. Um, and essentially all you have to do is have an email address and set up a password and you can access it on a whole lot of different devices or smart TVs. Um, we've got loads and loads and loads of what they call endpoints, so it's super easy. So if you've got a smart TV, you pop in um, a registration with email, password, uh, the app is there on most of the latest TVs and you can just basically click it and you'll have access to Plus. Um, you can view it on phones, you can view it on, an, on a desktop. Actually, the desktop experience is really good as well. So for people who have laptops uh, instead of iPads, you can get on it there. But I think most importantly, um, TV1 and Duke, TV1 for T20s and Duke for ODIs uh, and Test matches, as well as every single Super Smash match on either um, Duke or Sunday afternoons on one, means if you are not ready to convert over at this moment in time, you can just watch it on normal TV. So best of both worlds, really. It is the best of both worlds because uh, the retiring, soon-to-be-retiring David White, CEO of New Zealand Cricket, was raving <laughs> yeah. about raving, raving about the numbers um, when, it was, uh, when it was shown on TVNZ. He said they were outstanding. 
Yeah, no, um, we have had really, really good pickup. Actually, the white ferns that we popped on a, a Sunday night uh, on TV1 was over 800,000 reach, which was the biggest audience the white ferns have ever had. So we really want to build on that and, and um, hopefully get continue to get lots of people watching the white ferns um, who have a really awesome upcoming um, schedule this summer, yet to be announced. Um, so yeah, no, look, I, I think it's it's great for New Zealand cricket and it's, I think, most importantly great for some of our young kids who um, probably spend most of their time on other devices. We know that Xbox, Playstations, all of those things. But now they're going to be able to walk in the lounge, their parents are watching it and they're going to get to know some of these amazing athletes that play cricket. I'm just looking down the list of uh, the sports that you detailed yesterday. Aside from cricket, of course, we've got we've got so many. Um, and um, uh, in terms of the cricket production, will you be producing that in house as uh, TVNZ used to back in the day, or will you just uh, continue on with the arrangement that Spark had with their provider as such? Yeah, we're keeping Whisper on. Uh, Whisper. Uh experts in cricket so um, it seemed to make sense just to keep them with us um, also we're bringing on the executive producer uh, over to TVNZ and we thought that was uh, good for continuity but what we have got at TVNZ a traditional broadcast and production um, capability which will be able to support um, that team. For instance, you know, when you are looking at, um, you know, your backups, um, just in case your link goes down, we've got experts in linking um, at TVNZ who will support with that stuff. Um, in terms of surround programming, uh, we've got a couple of ideas that we're thinking. We're not tinkering with the cricket because I think you've got to super serve your cricket fans and keep it really, really um, professional and safe and keep moving that forward. But it's the stuff around it um, that we might think about bringing in some entertainment elements. Um, let's just say on a Thursday or a Friday night, we could build into the cricket with something a little bit different and bring in some of the um, young people who will get to know the fans on those kinds of entertainment shows and then hopefully watch the um, matches this summer. And hey, um, Smithy, Australia's coming into town, so how good's that? How good is that? Um, also, Mel, uh, you have got the rights, um, I would imagine, transferred to you for all cricket coming out of England, uh, which was uh, one of the spark things, uh, which means uh, some coverage of the Ashes. Can you put people at rest yeah. there? Yeah, definitely. So what we've decided to do with that is um, run that on Duke. So it starts, you know, around about 9.30ish. We're going to take the B Sky B coverage. So they're going to get a really nice build-up into it. Um, we'll be on Duke and also TVNZ+. We don't launch, remember, until July 1st, but... Um, Spark have very kindly given us day one of the test match two to start on Duke on the 28th. So just tune into Duke every every um, night around about 9.30 and you'll be able to watch it. How cool is that? Oh, cool. and Black Cat taking on England too later on. That's uh, ab absolutely right. So uh, that deal coming out of uh, the UK. Um, and I, I guess now, uh, looking forward... Uh, does that make you um, keen to build on this platform? I mean, do you become a, a, a more active player in the rights negotiations, etc., for other sports? Yes. Um, so with us really focusing on um, encouraging people to go on to TVNZ Plus and use that as your first option to watch, 
um, our, our business plan's really focused on on building um, that audience. And we know that sport is the number one um, event or, or TV production that still manages to capture massive numbers. So we see sport as a huge um, uh, proposition for us to try and keep buying rights um, to bring people on board with TVNZ+. We won't win uh, everyone that we go for because at the end of the day that's Sky's main business and we have to um, balance what we spend our money against Entertainment International and also local uh, entertainment products as well. Um, but we will pick and choose um, products that we think will fit really well, that Kiwis are really interested in, that go in um, nice prime time um, slots for them to watch as well um, and also sports that appeal to the 18 to 34 year olds so we're thinking fight sports um, those kind of things as well Interesting just uh, going for a little bit further down the list uh, you've got an interest uh, obviously in uh, New Zealand hockey um, a, a real interest too in the NFL which is uh, capturing a big market in New Zealand these days um, as far as yeah. uh, playoff games in the Super Bowl um, all the way down uh, to ladies uh, European golf, uh, um, Manu Samoa rugby. So um, it's a great cross section, really, and including, of course, Australian netball. Yeah, isn't that a funny one? <laughs> we, we we got our hands on a partnership with some of the netball um, about two years ago as COVID was disrupting everything with the silver fern. So obviously we, we'd love to um, have New Zealand netball on as well, but it's the last two weekends of that. Um, Australian competition and then we're going to get some Australian test matches from over the ditch as well so and I'm, I'm really really excited about um, the Samoan test matches which build into the Rugby World Cup they're going to be underdogs again it's going to be tough for them they're only just um, getting that squad together and, and looking at who's going to be available but um, considering how much of our audience um, on TV 1 and 2 are Pacific Island this is going to be so awesome for us to be able to present that um, free to air for them as they look at how their team's going to go ahead in, in that World Cup. Then, of course, they'll have to subscribe to Sky to get the World Cup. Um, but it's just nice that they get to see a couple of games beforehand. Well, Mel, can you uh, put your other hat on as well? As, and that is, of course, uh, your rugby hat. Uh, are you confident that um, the uh, New Zealand rugby and uh, women's rugby are cashing in on the success of uh, the recent Rugby World Cup for women? Are you, you seeing the right trends here? Oh, that's a, a big question to ask. Um, I think that's still um, a slow process. I think um, New Zealand Rugby have done some really good things there, bringing in uh, people who are dedicated to selling um, and commercialising the black ferns. I think that's a great move. I think in their long-term plans um, with the new um, commercial board that they've really uh, acknowledged there's some money to be made there, um, but it takes a bit of time. So the investment that New Zealand Rugby announced um, recently into women's sport is probably the first step in making sure that they can realise those commercial um, revenue streams that they're going to get. I'd say that's a three-year um, plan still. But bringing in global competition and hosting that in October is massive because, again, it's um, a way for them to get sponsors on board um, and keep the momentum and their audience interest in the Black Ferns. Always going to be my passion, Smithy. Um, I'm, I'm an international rugby player's rep on Rugby World Cup Limited. Um, so we are always talking up uh, women's rugby. And I know that their investment in those women's World Cups going forward um, is also designed to bring more money in for the women's game. Well, Melon, well, in your role... Yeah. 
Yeah, they are. They All Blacks are going to bring in cash. There's no doubt about that. But I, I, I just wondering about uh, and your role now and uh, how you uh, keep an open mind as such. I mean, uh, who would have ever, you know, you and I were both employees of, of uh, Sky Sport for quite some period of time. Who would have ever thought that Spark would come in and be a big player when we were doing those jobs? Uh, and now, yeah. uh, of course, uh, you know, you, you, do you keep an open mind in terms of your relationships with like Sky Television uh, going forward in terms of dual hosting and those kinds of things? Yes, absolutely. Um, look, uh, the world's changing and sometimes partnerships are um, one of the best ways at keeping ahead of disruption. So we often talk to um, Sky and other potential partners about doing um, lots of different deals together. I think that's just the attitude that you have to take um, in today. And particularly with such a small market, um, there could be one big player in the industry, but is that the best for um, sports and audiences? Well, we've seen that in the past. Um, some sports did miss out. So um, we are here definitely to partner with Sky moving forward if there's something that we could um, both work together on. Exciting times, Mel. Very exciting times. And oh. uh, I think the, the great benefactor will be the people sitting at home who now have a real viable option that they don't have to worry about. It's just there in front of them. So congratulations on, on that announcement yesterday and uh, we look forward to more stuff coming out of uh, your department very shortly. Thank you. Yes, hopefully. Thanks. Good to talk to you, Smiley. Yeah, cheers, uh, Mel Robinson there, uh, who is, of course, the general manager uh, for Television New Zealand of sports and events and uh, plenty coming up uh, for your viewing uh, a lot easier, it seems, than it has been in the past, which will make a lot of people in a lot of areas very, very happy. It is uh, 11.17 here on SENZ. Kempe, weekdays well, from six lead. on SENZ. SENZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Call anytime, 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Right, yo, let's head across uh, where Louis Herman Watt uh, awaits us. Uh, and uh, there's uh, a number of things on the agenda this morning, including, I think, uh, a media release uh, from New Zealand Cricket, Louis. Yeah, hot off the press, guys. Uh, huddle around your wireless. 17 minutes past 11, straight into the inbox of all the media members around New Zealand. We get a New Zealand Cricket contracting list. Now, this was actually thought to be coming out late last week. And there was, then it moved to early this week, and it's, what are we now, Thursday. So I'd say there were some pretty um, interesting conversations going on over the last seven days or so. Would you like the, the members, Smithy? Of course you would. Let's start at the top. Yep. Let's go through it, yep. Alphabetically, Finn Allen, Tom Blundell, Michael Bracewell, Mark Chapman, Devin Conway, Lockie Ferguson, Matt Henry, Kyle Jamieson, Tom Latham, Adam Milne, Daryl Mitchell, Henry Nichols, Glenn Phillips, Mitchell Santner, Ish Sodi, Tim Southey, Blair Tickner, Neil Wagner, Kane Williamson, Will Young. Right, okay, uh, missing from there. Ajas Patel, again, uh, Ajas Patel, who featured in the list last year, played only two tests during that period, for one reason or another. 
uh, has not been offered a central contract. It's um, bad. I think that's really bad. Um, and I, I still maintain uh, we could have made a lot more out of AJS Patel, but when he can't get even get a contract, uh, you kind of figure that uh, he's further, falling further off the radar as uh, we speak. Uh, Finn Allen, yeah, we're still juries out on Finn Allen. He's been given a great responsibility, but hadn't delivered yet. Mark Chapman has uh, proved in the, a recent series that he's worth investment. Don't mind that. And Blair Tickner comes in to uh, get a full contract uh, after getting uh, one late in the piece last year. So I, I don't mind that. Blair Tickner is part of um, their, uh, their thinking, and so they're investing in that in the fast bowling department. Wags keeps his, uh, his gig, uh, although uh, it will be only on a test match uh, situation. Um, and then one missing, uh, obviously, at the end of Martin Guptill, you would think, uh, the fact that he's uh, no longer even uh, considered for a central contract. Uh, probably puts a spanner in the works in terms of his possible selection for the World Cup too. Um, no Colin de Grandholm and uh, Trent Bolt's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. While again declining his central contract, is committed to being available for the Black Caps for part of the playing program and on that basis has been offered a casual playing agreement. So there'll be some bickies in that. No holiday pay, maybe. I'm not sure what that necessarily means, Smithy. It's a bit of bob each way for Trent Bolt. Um, obviously, he would be a starter at the World Cup. We would all love to see him there. I don't necessarily think it's special treatment, but that's odd. A little line there about a casual playing agreement. Is that just the future? Is, is it this the meeting of the middle? And it's a meeting in the middle. I would think it's making sure that uh, we don't cut ties with Trent Bolt. Um, because um, we want him around and we want him available whenever he is available to us and we want to be able to pick him at that point. There was uh, that thought about him playing in his home test match in uh, Mount Maunganui. He was quite disappointed and quite surprised, in fact, that the phone never rung uh, because it was just down the road and uh, New Zealand uh, dearly needed him at the time. But that didn't uh, eventuate, so uh, I'm not sure about the test match side of it. But in terms of uh, the one-day cricket, um, he's a must now. And that, to me, rubber stamps him into the World Cup uh, team coming up for in October and November. That is good news. All those players uh, in that group, uh, you would expect all the players who have been offered central contracts, a lot of them are white ball specialists, will be involved in that World Cup. And uh, from that, I don't think there'll be any other departure. Fair enough. At the top of the press release, they have led with Adam Milne being offered a NZC central contract for the first time in five years. This is a feel-good story, actually, because Adam's body had let him down previously, especially when he was younger. He was bowling fast, and it's taken him a long time to get back to playing consistent cricket to even give himself a chance to be on this contract list. Smithy, I'm sure he would be absolutely stoked today. Well, they're all susceptible to injury, aren't they, Uh, the fast bowlers? And and you have to, when you were putting them into the contract mix, you have to bear that in mind. They're not going to fulfil every playing obligation because they need time off at times. And on that note, very, very encouraging to see Kyle Jamieson, his name on that list. I think that's cool. That means uh, he's going to be a part, and they're thinking anyway, a very big part of New Zealand cricket going forward. Now, I was reminded of just how good he was when I watched the highlights of the World Test Championship two years ago and uh, just the impact he had on, had on that test match. He was player of the match, um, and uh, without doubt, uh, he deserved that. Uh, he's a threat at best. Um, if he can get back to that, New Zealand bowling stocks look super good, super good in the fast bowling department. So to me, that is a very good sign.
Yeah, I remember clear as day, Smithy. When we launched SENZ, we were watching, and it was perfect timing, really. We were winning the World Test Championship, and yourself and Baz were, were big, big supporters of Kyle Jamison steepling bounce, saying that it's going to give the Indians all sorts. So I do remember that vividly. Mate, this is an interesting one, because it's another massive sports story this week, which goes to a list I've compiled. While we're on the Polaris Sports Desk, would you like to hear some of the things that have just happened in this week, which has kind of occurred to me, might be one of the busiest and newsiest sports weeks of my existence. Far ahead. So obviously the Live PGA situation, um, the Saudi Investment Fund, that this is a generational sports story. It really is. It's Yesterday was one of those rare days in sports media where everyone, every sports radio station around the world was talking about the same thing. It's not like the American elections where in news that might be happening around the globe. Sport doesn't happen that often because different continents and different countries have different interests. But golf, that was seriously generational. Uh, Singapore racing being shut down. We touched on that. The World Test Championship final and the Ashes build-up. There are storylines galore there. The NBA finals. We've got Miami nicking one in Denver. They go to Game 3 today. Both sides could win this. Roland Garros, by the way, is still going on. We've barely scratched the surface on it. And hey, how about the fact that we've got a Kiwi in a final? Yes, Michael Venus and uh, Bianca Andreescu in the mixed final there. Lionel Messi, Smithy? Lionel Messi is going to play for a club that David Beckham bought for $25 million a wee while ago in the MLS. Get that one through your head. That happened this morning, as well as Jude Bellingham. He's made a move, and uh, people think he's one of the best footballers on the planet. Super Rugby finals. Yet again, poor Super Rugby just gets forgotten. Uh, The English Premiership teams, the Wasps, a couple of them are defaulting. They can't afford to run anymore. That's a sad story. The Black Ferns and the Silver Ferns have announced squads. And State of Origin was last week. At the start of the week, Nathan Cleary has been scrubbed out for a couple of weeks. And Dylan Brown, he's in all sorts of trouble after a very, very poor incident in a Sydney nightclub. So that's just some of the stuff that's happened this week. It really is as busy as it gets. It has been fantastic. Great copy, as they say in the business. Great copy. Um, But it's, uh, yeah, uh, the highlights uh, for me... Um, certainly will be the tennis, uh, and we shouldn't ignore it because Maggie will be on our back again, good old Maggie, um, and uh, we won't because uh, we'll focus in on that. We might do something on that tomorrow, actually, um, as we look forward to building our Friday show because it's not very often we do have a Kiwi in a slam, a grand slam final, with, I think, a really good chance of winning it too. His doubles record is uh, outstanding uh, in terms of uh, men's doubles, but uh, now that he's got to a slam final in the mixed doubles as well. Michael Venus going down as uh, perhaps one of our best ever, best ever uh, tennis players. Uh, Sure, not uh, absolutely outstanding in terms of his performance in the singles, but uh, what he's managed to achieve with partners has been simply absolutely fantastic. Uh, Brad's just come in. Here's another one for you. Chris Paul has just been waived by the Phoenix Suns. Bye-bye, Chris Paul. Now an unrestricted free agent, so... Uh, there you go. The Phoenix Suns have got rid of Chris Paul. It just keeps coming in. Uh, Henry said, hey, who has the rights to the Athletics World Champs in Budapest in August? Look, Henry, I don't know um, because it's not on the list that I was given uh, yesterday. Although, yes, Diamond League Athletics is on there. Diamond League is at, on, Athletics is on for TVNZ's live sport. Um, so that might be a good sign for Athletics fans. You'll be able to see a lot more, including Tom Walsh, who won the other day in Poland. Uh, so that's a, a really good uh, result for him. Uh, we've uh, also got, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Lakapi Samoa, Manu Samoa Rugby. 
the Ladies European Golf, Women's Super League, FA Cup and Arnold Clark Cup football, uh, basketball, FIBA basketball, including the Men's World Cup featuring the Tall Blacks, uh, the finals of the 2023 Suncorp Super Netball and Australian Diamonds Netball. So uh, all the rights to that free to air, ironically, on New Zealand television. Uh, WTA Tennis and the US Open World Rally Championship. That'll make a lot of people happy. Uh, MotoGP um, and, uh, as I said, yes, uh, NFL. They've got two live matches a week and one delayed in regular season, 12 playoff games and the Super Bowl. TVNZ getting heavily invested. Speaking of being invested, uh, you can invest in our show now by dialing 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. It's time to stump Smithy, and uh, we will continue to give you a TAB bonus bet to the value of 50 bucks if you are successful. News time now with Aroha. 14.76 a.m. in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Final ball-by-ball commentary from 9 tonight on SENZ or the SENZ app. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. 11.34, yep, time to stump Smithy here. And um, we will uh, have uh, Louis... Running the cutter down there in Christchurch. Brian is uh, on the phones uh, in Auckland, so we have got contestants lining up, uh, it seems, uh, Louis, for this one. It always is a very popular part of the show. Uh, what have we got? Uh, who have we got lined up today, and uh, what's in store in terms of the questions, Louis? We have Dave in Cambridge, Smithy. I assume it's not Dave Branch, the CEO of the Raceway. Dave? Hey, gentlemen, all good? Yep, that's definitely not Dave Branch. Very good, Dave. Hey, what would you like? Would you like to have a crack at hockey, baseball, or golf? None of the above. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to go. I'll go. I'll see, I'll see if I can get some of the on the least experienced one. Hockey. <laughs> Every chance. Every chance, Dave, not Branch. Thinking ahead. Right, recently it was announced that a triple Olympian Black Sticks men's veteran have retired from the international game. Can you name that man? Uh, probably not. Um, I'm not even good with uh, hockey, so can't even tell you anyone. One of the um, worst things I have ever seen done. Yeah, on save a us the field. guess. <laughs> Smithy? <laughs> Oh, look, I've got no idea. Honestly, I, I did read this article, uh, but I, I did not. Um, I did not really, uh, I think it's fair to say, take too much notice of it. So, uh, gosh, how far back Come do you on, have to go? Yeah. I, look, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I've got no idea. Absolutely One of no the idea worst either, things so. I have ever seen I shouldn't know. on a cricket field. I, I was surprised at how many caps they get. As hockey players, 181 caps, 78 goals. Nick Wilson. Well, I see. Yeah, I read this, but I didn't retain it, which is bad, very bad indeed. So, oh, Nick, I apologise. Yeah, I apologise. <laughs> You're right, oh, Dave. <laughs> okay, mate. Here we go. <laughs> which team won the 2022 Stanley Cup? 2022. Yes, man. Um. Five. Four. Three, two, one. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. 
Oh, you're gonna have... God. Oh. Oh, no. oh, oh, do I know this one either? Do I know this one either? Oh, uh, God. I'm not really. Um, let's go for. Is it uh, was it Tampa Bay, or was it the uh, was it uh, Calgary, or was it? Look, honestly, I don't know. It wasn't the Maple Leafs because that's Logan's <laughs> team and they don't ever win. I'll go. I'll go. Um, is it Tampa Bay Lightning? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. We're on. We're on route for one of the worst quizzes we've ever held on SCNZ. It's the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche. It's a Colorado. Hey, look, Dave. To your credit, this is what you hoped for. You, you, <laughs> you did did ask for this, right? This is it. The money question. What team is representing? Wait, is this is this question old? No. You sure? Okay. Which team is representing the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup Final this year? In the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Didn't we just didn't you just say the uh, the final was just been held? 2022, mate. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, Montreal. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Eastern side, western side, western side is uh, eastern side is. I think, I think I've have I've watched the game with two of this. Um, I can't see the puck, but I watch it as much as I can. <laughs> Florida, a Florida, a Florida in it. The Florida Panthers making a noise in this one. Florida Panthers will go Florida. Down the wicket, right in the oh. slot, and away it goes. I'll tell you what, the hardest thing about that was weighing up which is east and which is west in terms of uh, um, the Americans. So uh, I've, I've got you there, uh, Dave, Dave from Cambridge. So uh, thank you very much for taking part, which means the good news is tomorrow here for Stump Smithy, get in quick because we'll be playing for a hundy. A hundred bucks uh, will be the, the voucher. Thanks, Dave. Have a terrific day. We shall be back very shortly with uh, a multi for today. Uh, read out a couple of texts about the cricket uh, and uh, look to get through uh, to Staffy taking over at midday. Dear by Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Content. ECNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Back up to date on Twitter and Instagram at ECNZ underscore radio. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Rightio, uh, it's, uh, it's 11.45 and uh, let's look at the multi for today. Uh, before that, we'll uh, rubbish the multi we took yesterday. Angebeer was beaten beaten by uh, Beatrice uh, Harad Meyer. So uh, she's out and uh, she was a highly fancied chance. And uh, earlier this morning, uh, Fiorentina went down to West Ham. West Ham winning that uh, 2-1. Um, so uh, that one was uh, out the window uh, very uh, quickly. West Tigers tonight. The West Tigers, I figure, will beat the Titans. I've just got a feeling about this. Um, no great reason, rhyme or reason why. I, ju- I just kind of feel the West Tigers are up for it. So $1.87, I think they're an improving side and their record's going to get better and better. 
Uh, now, this is a big talking point. Um, Djokovic, uh, when was the last time uh, Novak Djokovic was paying upwards of $2.60 uh, to win a to play against uh, Alcaraz uh, overnight, or is it tomorrow night? But anyway, uh, Djokovic to beat uh, Alcaraz is a long-term one there. Uh, I think he'll beat him. The experience will uh, get through, and uh, he'll whittle him down at $2.60. And, of course, the Under-20 World Cup is still going, of course, but we're down to teams that, in the semi-final, we didn't perhaps uh, expect would make it. Some of the big guns went really early in the piece. Argentina uh, was one to to go and that really upset the apple cart so their neighbours uh, Uruguay are still in and they're due to play Israel who would have thought Israel would be in the last four but they are and uh, Uruguay under 20s are at $1.75 to beat Israel I think they'll do that so the Tigers into Djokovic into Uruguay under 20s and that uh, multi's out at $8.50 uh, some more texts uh, have come in uh, on the cricket side of things uh, World Series cricket, very similar to Live Golf. Yes, uh, Sean, we, we read that one out before you did, right? Um, and it was good for the game in the end. And a lot of people benefited from that. There's a lot of similarities in this. I think it's fair to say there was uh, uh, it's, uh, shook institutions uh, when Kerry Packer came in. There's no doubt about that. Um, people who were involved in uh, the MCC, the ICC, etc., shook their heads and thought this cannot happen. Who is this bloke? mosey iron into our game well it happened all right uh, he did separate them for a while and then they came back together and we all know the end result of that was uh, a lot more money for a lot more people talked about the ipl same thing this ipl can't last it can't invade our domain well it did and it uh, is there forever and it is the lifeblood for many a cricketer who have uh, turned down the central contracts that we've just been uh, talking about actually um, because uh, it is uh, a surefire way of making a decent living in a hurry uh, and looking after your future, which is uh, what professional work is about. Kevin from Titarangi comes in and says, Morning, Smithy. Yes, Ashwin. Why would you leave Ashwin out? Got no idea. I've got no idea. I would love to have been part of that selection meeting, Kevin. I couldn't believe it, especially when the game uh, it can go to day six. You're right. It can go to day six, an extra, game to, the extra day to get a result, particularly if they lose time through weather. Uh, their bowling attack bowled too short, um, as was evidenced by Travis Head hitting all his runs square of the wicket. Uh, very, uh, very good batsmen uh, like Smith and Head uh, handle that kind of thing. They're brought up on it. They're brought up on that in Australia. Short pitch bowling, playing square of the wicket. It's, uh, it's their meat and drink, to be honest. So that was poor. You're right, Kevin. Uh, Australia can't lose now. You're right. They will get 500 plus. I think they get closer to 600 unless India get wickets uh, right from the get-go with this relatively new ball. Um, they can't lose, so they will get uh, five to 600. If India get a similar score, day six will be very interesting. Uh, they will be thinking of Ashwin on day six, India. They will be thinking of Ashwin as we speak. Uh, where is he? Ashwin's batting uh, average is 27, Jadeja 35. Ashwin is no bunny with the bat as well, as being the number one ranked, number one ranked bowler in the world still. Can't get my head around that one, Louis, but uh, fair enough. Mm, it is crazy, staggering, considering yesterday you outlined it. I mean, he's the world's best bowler for a reason. And he's also, the other thing is, when you play Australia in a final, don't underestimate the psychological fact that they are hard-nosed. Ashwin's got a bit of that. He's a bit of a menace. He kind of comes across not overly friendly sometimes. And isn't that the sort of guy you want to go into a final with? 
against Australia, absolutely. You've got to fight fire with fire. They'll be copying it. Um, there'll be a lot of verbals over there. And uh, they've got Rahani back in at number five, India. And after that, they've got uh, the wicketkeeper batsman who is far from established in the side. In fact, if Rishabh Punt was available, he wouldn't be there. They got him mm. at six and uh, Ravi Jadeja at seven. Uh, Australia will lick their lips at that. They'll use the new ball very well. They'll bowl a better length. Um, and uh, if they don't get a start out of Gill and, um, of course, Rohit Sharma, uh, and they put pressure on Coley and Pajara early on in the piece, which they're likely to do, Australia, uh, Stark will get it to swing at the oval. He will. And then, of course, you, you back that up with uh, Scotty Boland, uh, Pat Cummins. Uh, you got Cameron Green, the giant, uh, who's going to get some bounce at uh, the oval. Uh, and then, of course, you finish that off with uh, the goat, the goat and Nathan Lyon. I mean, it's just, it could not have been. They go hop on the bus to go back last night for India. It could not have been a worse day. Oh, and what do you think Baz is thinking? Oh, yeah, good one, guys. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. You're just going to send Australia to us, adding Josh Hazelwood back in with played themselves into extreme form against one of the best teams in the world just because you, you decided to put them in. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Exactly. Cheers. Well, he's a powerful bloke, that Bass, because he has been able to uh, lure back Moan Ali. Moan Ali is now part of the Ashes squad for England because Jack Leach is out, their number one spinner is out, Moan Ali, who basically said, I've uh, had it with uh, Red Bull cricket, I don't want to play Test cricket anymore. Uh, is back, so Baz has uh, been able to lure him back and Moan Ali with his batting skills um, and his uh, ability to bowl fairly handy off spin is going to be a big asset to uh, England, he'll end up playing all of those test matches, he won't just be part of the squad. Do you think there's a day they score 700, Smithy? They'll score, well they won't score 700 in a day, but uh, I can see them scoring pretty close to 500 in a day at some point. They won't score 500 in a day against um, against Australia. Uh, but, um, well, they scored, what did they score in 50-odd overs? What did they get against Ireland? I mean, a, a poor attack. <laughs> They'll absolutely take them apart now. He lost four wickets in the process of that. <laughs> Can you just can you just can you just imagine can you imagine nicking Alex Carey off or uh, Cameron Green off and you <laughs> to take your fifth or sixth wicket and you're down five hundred and fifty runs and Moe Nally comes yeah. out and then just bludgeons you for fifty off twenty like come on yeah. Yeah, that kind of player yeah he he's, he can he can probably uh, do that and uh, he will be encouraged and that's one of the reasons why uh, Baz has got him. He will be encouraged to play the same way. He won't uh, be uh, there for a long time, be there, be there for a good time, as they say. And speaking of good times, uh, that's what you'll get uh, this afternoon from 12 onwards with Mark Stafford, and we shall find out what's on his show very shortly.